1: back. Another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Anurag Patel who'll be sitting in for Matt Watson today. Anurag,
0: what's up? Not much. Today's a great day in here in Kansas City.
1: It is, man, and I appreciate you uh, coming and sitting in for Mr. Watson who was called away to parent-teacher conferences oh, of all things that every parent wants to do on a Friday morning. So, Anurag, you're the CEO and founder of Helix Health and for those of you listening, you know I like it when you're interactive. So grab your phone, open up a browser, and go to helixhealth.us so you can see all about what this fine gentleman is doing. Now, before we get too far into this, you also were a participant in the Pure Pitch Rally. I was. Yeah, and you were a big winner from Full Scale. I was. Yeah. So, one uh, of the
0: biggest winners.
1: The biggest winner. Um, and if you scroll down, In in our podcast feed, there is an episode that said 50K giveaway. And what we did at Full Scale was here in Kansas City. We participated for the second straight year in the Pure Pitch Rally, which is a pitch competition of sorts. And there's eight companies, but we gave away quite a bit of stuff. More than 50K? uh, Actually, yeah. We did that last year too. We went to go give away 50 and we gave away 70, but we gave away 60 this year. And uh, your company Helix Health was the grand prize winner and uh, recipient of $15,000 of development credit from FullScale. Congrats, man.
0: Thank you very much. And we really appreciate your support.
1: I appreciate what you're doing here in town. And we're going to talk a lot about that. And, you know, when it comes to that stuff, I guess I'm supposed to say, and I have made it all the way this far in, this episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by FullScale.io. So, all right, on your, let's, let's get started with you grabbing this mic and giving everybody a, just get what, what was your pitch the other night? You know, what, what, that would be a great place to start.
0: Yeah. So Helix Health does healthcare analytics. We look at large populations. So we're a big data company. We look at the data from a clinical, which is a electronic medical record or claims, which is your insurance company. Um, their data and we try and analyze which one, which people in the population are likely to not um, get the maximum amount of maximum uh, treatment from their protocol. Meaning if your doctor prescribed you something, are you likely to take it? And if you're not, then what can we do to intervene earlier?
1: And that could, that could be anything from, like, medication to other stuff?
0: Yeah. So think about uh, – so we work in chronic care conditions. Diabetes is one of them. Asthma is another, hypertension okay. or high blood pressure. Um, but generally speaking, these are things that people live with for a long time. It's not like you got sick and you need to go fix it, and then you're fine after you get sick. But when it comes to, like, say, again, diabetes, it's not just medication, but it's a whole host or a whole um, – protocol of things that you may need to do Medication's easy someone tells you to go take this
1: take it three times a day one two three right
0: and i say easy
1: which by the way is for some people still difficult to keep up with i was just gonna say
0: but like i say easy but it's not necessarily easy right when you start adding many medications or you have many different conditions that you have to deal with then things start getting a little bit more complicated and especially if you're not necessarily um fully educated on what you're doing, why you're doing it, and when you need to do it, um, then it becomes a little bit more difficult.
1: So you use the example of diabetes and diabetes is obviously has different types and the most common are type one and type two, which are, can be quite different. But so when you talk about maximizing your routine or your, whatever you need to do, Um, for example, type two diabetes is something that you can almost create within yourself as an adult, I believe. And, and it has to do with, I mean, I don't know, you can, you, but you can also kind of get rid of it too. Like but the, 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 isn't the routine like about also like about what you're eating or your exercise or different stuff like that. Is that the kind of stuff you're keeping up with or is it strictly related to like treatment treatment?
0: Yeah. So going back to the types, there's type one, type two diabetes and they're, um, that's a generic there's many different variations that you can get into but thinking about it just at a high level type one is more of the childhood diabetes you're okay you're not necessarily born with it but you have something that um you start early on in your your age of having to deal with diabetes type two is more of the acquired you get it right. in adult life yeah um and and yes there may be a way to treat diabetes for some individuals and there's a variety of different um, outcomes when it comes to treating diabetes but when we're talking about diabetes or when we're talking about what we're working on is managing it so if you have diabetes we accept that individuals or people in our population have diabetes how do we make sure that they're treated well so they don't have long-term issues long-term complications or other diseases they get because of diabetes okay so most people don't die from diabetes they die from another complication sure. related to diabetes and it's usually 20 years down the road right so you're not thinking about it when you first get diabetes in your adult life
1: so how the hell do you do that man how do you keep up with that because I mean the thing is is if you're looking at a person and I mean there's a lot of data there I mean so so how do you ma- it, by the way I have I have been a um, I have been listening to audible books about data science because I'm fascinated with it because I think everyone hears uh, data and all this and data is the most valuable thing on the planet all of a sudden. Yeah, but it's, but 99% of people that I talk to don't know a goddamn thing about data. Yeah. They think they do and they think they understand the concept, but so I've been fascinated with it because some of it's like, you know, like, oh, this data is so valuable, but if you don't do something useful with it, it is just zeros and ones, basically. So how do you, you know, I've I've learned that you have structured and unstructured data, but how do you guys gather all this? And like, I mean, how much of it are you looking at? What do you know? How do you know what not to look at? And how do you make it useful?
0: Yeah, so I think when we... There was a lot to unpack there. First, getting the data. So a lot yeah, of this sorry data. sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of this data sits with our partners, right? So hospitals have a lot of clinical data. Insurance companies have a lot of claims data, which is the finances of healthcare. Um, and we partner with our customers to have access to that data. Now, that data also is protected by laws like HIPAA yep. and High Trust. Um, High Trust is a is a a more updated version of HIPAA that deals with the digital world mm-hmm. um, and security. But yeah, and for
1: those of you listening, HIPAA is a, um, a standard that exists for basically protecting your your information and data. It's kind of healthcare's version of PCI compliance. Yeah. It's probably an yeah, easy yeah. way to dumb it down well, on some level, right?
0: Yes, there's protection in there, there's yeah. privacy in there, and there's the way to transfer it. So portability is another P in there. It's, but but that is the essence of HIPAA. Mm-hmm. Um, and then high trust is just an added layer that that was um, um, used for understanding how we do this in a digital space. Um, HIPAA was created when there was little or very, yeah, little data used that was moved digitally. It was all more of the paper records. And, right.
1: So, how are you making sense of all that?
0: So, we, we get that data, and some of it is structured and some of it is unstructured. Um, I think the electronic medical records has helped build out an area where some of this data is becoming more structured over time. But then, also, technology makes it easier for you to just do a, to open up an app, talk to your computer, and then that computer will just write in a free text area of your record or of a, a patient's record all this information that you wanted as a, as a data scientist or as someone who wants to analyze data. So we have to manage both of those. Um, When it comes to the clinical aspect of what we know, part of it is that is a trained model. So we build out models that train or that are already trained by humans that we look at this data and know that there's this value associated with it. So for example, in diabetes, there's a test that um, uh, uh, physicians do or hospitals do and it's called a, hemoglobin a1c there's also a blood glucose test so these are two different types of tests and they have values associated with them and generally speaking those values can be found in a structured portion of our data set that makes it a little bit easier for us what may not be easy is some of the symptoms that occur when patients are out of range when they're feeling sick those symptoms may be in a structured uh, area of the um, of the record and sometimes it's not so we build out models to help us um, Analyze that information, um, but going beyond that, we also look at how the data that exists in a record that may not exactly correlate or um, signify disease or signify an event um, can be used to help us build out predictions. Anyways, does that mean
1: like is that like just the little stuff?
0: Yeah. So so, so I had a,
1: I had a friend that that was diabetic. I mean like insulin shots, the whole thing, and you know, he would sometimes, you know, and I, I, I was a, he was my roommate for two years and um, you know, he would have, you talk about the little things. I'd say, how do you know? And he'd be like, oh, my muscles will tighten up a little bit. Like my legs get tight. And I said, well, what do you mean? He's like, you know, when you haven't, like you just, your legs feel tight and you stretch a little bit and then maybe you feel a little better. He's like, my body will start feeling like that. Is that like an example of
0: yeah, but let's uh, let's take it a little bit farther out. So we don't just look at symptoms and we don't just look at what patients are feeling. We are trying to build out a model for the system of healthcare. So that is also what the doctors are doing, also how the system is working. So I'll, I'll, let's use an example instead, and not necessarily diabetes. But let's say you got sick and you needed to go to the ER. And we went to the ER today, which is in the middle of the day Friday. That experience that you get for being treated for whatever ailment you have that you're sick should look totally different and will look totally different than if you showed up on a Sunday evening at the ER. And just because our resources are different, it's because how we act are different. What doctors are going to be in the hospital are different and what their support staff is going to be is different. Um, Where you may even be, we're here in an office today in the middle of the day, but on a Sunday evening, you might be a little bit farther out from a hospital. Um, So we account for all of those factors to see if we can help build out a prediction on the likelihood of an outcome. Not necessarily if you have diabetes or not, but if you got treated for your diabetes, what is the outcome based on the environment? Um, So the little things in that system is what we're also looking for as signals. And it's not necessarily just one thing, but a combination of things. If you showed up as Matt on a Sunday evening at uh, an urban hospital... Um, this is the likelihood that you would be able to get your medication on the way out.
1: Okay. So, so who's,
0: is the beneficiary of this
1: intended to be both the patient, the provider, and the insurance company?
0: Yeah. So our, our direct customer, our direct beneficiary is the hospital and the insurer. Um, our indirect um, is our patient. But this is built for patients. We want better health outcomes. right? Um, we also model for financial outcomes, so the cost of care. We acknowledge that to, to have people act a certain way on a system, we have to build out incentives, or someone has to build out incentives. So we want to make sure that we can match an intervention with how much it's going to cost or what kind of resources are going to be used behind that intervention. But the goal is always for better patient care. So, I think you asked me a little bit about our pitch at Pure Pitch. And one of the things that I stated there is we exist because we believe that everyone deserves good health. Right. And I think that we can do better. So, we can do better health outcomes. We have a ton of money in the healthcare system here in the US. We should be doing better.
1: So, and, and I do want to talk about the, the presentation the other night in a minute, but um, a, a couple things. So, you actually have a background in medicine, which led you to to starting this startup
0: yeah indirectly right that's not where i was intending to go <laughs> sure <laughs>
1: i don't think i think 90 percent of the people i know that have a startup on some level started it accidentally it might not have been that might not be the best way to put it but it kind of is
0: yeah. yeah i mean so yeah so i grew up in st louis but i actually on the way here passed up one of my childhood homes so early early on i want to say when i was in kindergarten my our family lived right here on a small house in on ward parkway. Okay. Um, but eventually we ended up moving to St. Louis and I went to um, elementary school, middle school and high school there, and then came back here to Kansas city to go to medical school at young KC. Um, but I didn't pursue a residency and didn't um, practice as a physician. I ended up looking at a, a number of different opportunities to try and see if I could, solve some of the problems I had in medicine while I was there didn't know that's what I was doing exactly when I was starting down that process but I went into research went into um, healthcare administration um, and then also eventually ended up working in startups to figure out what technology looked like for um, healthcare
1: right and that's actually where um, I've been exposed to you over the last I don't know year or so is uh, you are a very active participant in our local startup community, um, through the Kansas City Startup Foundation and other stuff, so that's fair to say, right?
0: Yeah, I think so. All
1: right. So the other night at the, and you know the the Pure Pitch Rally is interesting. Did you go to it last year? I did not. Okay. So you you were flying blind into this thing on yeah. some level. Now, um, I think this is interesting, um, uh, and, it, and it's definitely topical because, well, so you had you had to apply to this. Yes. And you were selected from a pretty large group of companies and there's a lot of stuff like this out there. So I want to structure this around, we'll, we'll, tell, we'll let you tell the story of, of that, but there's a ton of stuff out there that can help move your startup forward and stack up some interesting resources for you, but you have to take the initiative to get involved with these things. Absolutely. Right. So what made you want to, or how'd you even find out about that? What made you want to sign up for it?
0: I think this is one of those valuable um, parts of being in Kansas City. We have a great network. We do. Where where we help support each other. We help um, engage each other. We help educate each other. Um, I think that is an incredible asset for the ecosystem in Kansas City as far as startups go, small businesses go, or even just the education around tech here in KC. Yeah. Um, so as far as like getting to know or being aware of peer pitch i'm not quite sure exactly that moment but it had to have been through a colleague or another friend um, i also lean on my team so there's four of us um, in in um, in helix and i think one of the individuals was asking me hey do you know about Pure Pitch, and should we be doing this? And I said, oh, I do know about Pure Pitch, and I don't know when the date is, but we should be doing this. And it, that's that's how the ball started. But, yeah, we, we had to put in our application. Um, and I think from there, it was just a whole selection committee. But-
1: did the committee, did they coach you on – on did you catch any coaching on giving the presentation or anything like that? We did. So yeah. after
0: we didn't get any feedback or coaching before our application, our selection. Yeah, but afterwards, right. yeah, the our cohort once the once the
1: finalists are selected, they yeah.
0: Yeah, our cohort goes through three different coaching slash mini accelerator programs. But the right. first one was for um coaching on or sorry on pitching. Um and then there's two more that's gonna come after the pure pitch rally
1: had in the past. Uh, so this was the fourth year of this, but in the past, they've actually had a couple of people that didn't make it past pitch coaching. Oh, really? Like, just like, Hey, you know, like, well, cause they don't want to put you up there and we'll talk about that for a second. Cause you, all right. Th- this is, this is a pretty exclusive event. It's invite only. And, realistically there's 200 people in that room and it's a pretty all-star cast when it comes to our city i mean that's fair to say right yeah
0: there are people in government there's people in large companies there's media there's there's media yeah
1: i was joking i was like we should get a few more photographers in here because there was like eight of them running around like taking pictures and doing video and stuff but um the way this is set up and i meant you know i mentioned we give away a we're one of the larger sponsors of it, and we gave away sixty thousand dollars. We've given away, technically in the last 12 months we've now awarded a hundred and thirty thousand dollars worth of credits to last year and this year. Oh, yeah, yeah, to, I mean, because it was we're that close to the event still, but um, so the other thing that they do is Karen Feneroli, if, uh, who's the sponsor, and she runs Feneroli and associates. Once again, 50 K giveaway. If you want to go back and listen to the episode where she came in and talked about this, but she does a really great job of getting people that come in and they are the quote sharks. And by the way, Watson wore a shirt that had a shark barfing a rainbow with a cat with a I gold know. cowboy hat on it. And there's a picture of him with the Kansas city mayor wearing that. We will post that on Instagram. So go to outstart Startup hustle podcast. I might just leave that at the top of the feed, like just post it over and over again. So no one has any hard time, a hard time finding it. But yeah,
0: that shirt was awesome. Yeah. I especially appreciated the the rainbows.
1: That's yeah. Like, yeah. It was, uh, he came in my office and he was like, shark, so right? I've got my shark shirt on. And I looked at it and I was like, wow, Matt, you do you. But <laughs> it was pretty funny. So with that, the the quote sharks that come in, they all give away a thousand dollars cash, and they and they give it, they give it away after the pitches to the companies that they choose. And I think there was probably like forty or forty five of them this year.
0: I think there were. At least so and you won quite
1: a few of those checks too, didn't you? We
0: did. We won. Um, I can't remember the exact number. It was like it was, probably
1: eight to ten.
0: No, it wasn't that high. Wasn't, I, wish, wasn't? I wish it was, but there were many. I think there were three healthcare related or right. we'll put them in the same bucket and sure. they're not um startups and i think there were many times when a investor got up and said i want to do this but i'm going to do that i care about diabetes and helix but i also they kept
1: doing that and i'm sitting there thinking i'm like well you just really got someone excited and then and then plucked that money right out of their pocket i'm like there were a
0: number of us that were like oh yeah oh wait
1: no so so the thing is is there's some serious coin on the line here between even just what we gave away and those checks that's a hundred grand out there yeah and so they go through and each one, each person award, you know, says, Hey, this is who we're giving the award for now back to the, the caliber of the folks that are there. I mean, these are people that own big companies in town, they're, they're hitters. And with that other guests, and now all of a sudden you are boom on a small stage with a mic in your hand with three minutes to talk about, um, to talk about your stuff with with some stakes on the line it's not just like talking about it and did you feel the pressure once you actually got up there
0: i did a little bit i think part of it is it's also a different type of pitch right so whenever we've Done this in the past, or whenever I've done this in the past, you get visuals. So we yep. didn't have anything that we could use as a PowerPoint yeah. to show. so like I said, you're on a little tiny yeah. stage with a mic in your hand. You don't you don't to have show, a pitch deck. You yeah. don't have an outline, and then you also don't get a lot of time.
1: Yeah, do. three minutes, you man. Get three minutes. It's to... like it's like not much time at all, but it's also a freaking eternity. Yeah. Three minutes is a lot longer than you think it is when you're in that situation too.
0: Yeah. And, and I think our goal, at least my goal was, which I think I, I probably overcompensated too much because I didn't use all of my three minutes, but it was to try and cut out as much as I needed to say so that I didn't just keep talking about stuff and going over the three minutes. Um, but yeah, it's really hard to talk about your company, talk about the landscape, talk about what why it's an issue, talk about yourself. Um talk about how people can help you all in three minutes
1: was the advice that i gave you prior to that do you remember that like a week earlier or something i i gave you the advice i said it's not a, it's not an investor pitch you have to tug on the heartstrings of these people yeah
0: and, and that's what happened right yeah. there were so many people in the yeah. room that were um
1: they don't care how you generate revenue. They don't care if you have traction. It's all about the heartstrings. Yeah,
0: can they can they personally connect? Can and many they connect of them to it, Yeah, personally connected with their their younger youth. lives, right? True. Like their youth. They, I grew up on a farm, therefore. Yeah, well, and, had... well,
1: let's talk about that because one of the one of the companies, uh, Libby Martin at Calvin Technologies, this Which is, is a new word to me. Calvin. Yes. Yeah, I well us too. We were like, what the hell is this? But she won a lot. Yes. Like a whole lot. We gave her a a, a different tier of of her reward. We gave them 7500 bucks, but it was to help cattle. Yeah. Like uh, and you know, apparently a lot of cattle during the birthing process die. Um and uh, you know, there's someone but a lot of the people you talk about going back to their childhood. That's what I said the heart change. like yeah. I grew up on a farm and yeah. this makes sense. I got it. Well, I saw our cow die. It was heartbreaking, you know, and just like like wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a different kind of pitch, but, um, and now here's the thing is this year was, was better last year. Um, there was a couple people that, that, um, I don't, for lack of a better word, they kind of choked the presentation a little bit cause it's, it's a, it's a, it's a pressure spot, yeah. you know, like you're all of a sudden and, and you know, the reality is, is most people would rather die. Than give a speech publicly. My wife is in that boat. Like there is a bigger fear of public speaking in the world than dying. Yeah. And, and well,
0: yeah, I, I don't know if I'm in that boat, but I do dislike it. Okay. I, it was, speeches are a little bit harder than like teaching let's say sure. so if I needed to tell a large group of people what I was thinking or tell them about our process it's easier but if I needed to like do a speech it's a little bit harder because then you have to get in the minds of your audience talk or think about how they relate to you um, or relate to this and then meet them at that that level and sometimes teaching I don't know if I necessarily do it that way I try and bring them to what the content It's
1: It's is. also different when there are stakes on the line, yeah, like when absolutely. you're teaching, you're just, te- you're teaching a class and you're the expert and the, you know, like it's different when like, okay, if I get this right and I really crush this, I might actually put a large amount of money in my company's bank account yeah, or something like that. And I think that that just kind of dials up the pressure. Um, yeah. The, you can tell when some people give the presentation. Now I always like, anytime I talk about fear of public, I am not afraid to speak. I spoke right after you did actually a mm-hmm. few minutes and I had three minutes as well. Yeah. Same crowd. And, you know, literally like I didn't have any preparation for that. Cause we didn't know who we were giving away money for to. Yeah. And,
0: but did you have uh, anything on the line?
1: Uh, yeah, okay, I okay. had 60 grand that we gave away yeah. and you know, but not, not in the same regard, but, um, I, I'm not a big fan of trying to memorize your speech because yeah. I, everyone that gets caught and you can tell they lose a spot and then they, they're like, uh, and it's cause they're trying to replay yeah. the word for word and get caught up to where they were at. So I, I, I can tell that's what's happening. Anytime I see someone uh, giving a, a, a presentation publicly and they, they get caught, they kind of get off kilter. And you know, like my recommendation is reckon, uh, think of like five words. Yeah. Those are your, those are your starting spots. So it's just like a set list for a band. They have like, the songs written down and then they play them. So if you can it's so much easier to remember five words than it is to remember a whole entire speech.
0: Yeah. I I I think I do poorly if I'm trying to memorize a speech. Yeah. yeah. And I do better if I have like yeah. things or five things S- that same similar. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And because that way if you get off track,
1: you you're kind of working your way down that list. It's way easier to put yourself back and not be like, cause that that 10 seconds and you see that you yeah. see it. it happened to a couple of people and it's the reality, but that's, I mean, that's always my advice. And some people just, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, but I,
0: I, I am excited and proud of the rest of our group. Like They, they, they were did great. Awesome. They yeah. did great.
1: Last year, the presentations were a little, a little, there was a couple of rough spots in yeah. there for, and,
0: and some of the people, and I don't know if you, um, if it was apparent, but had never done this before. Uh-huh. And some of them have never even done a pitch before. So this yeah. was a brand new thing to them. Totally.
1: Well, once again, congrats. Cause, Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. You, you brought home some, some, uh, some booty, but so, uh, you know, some of the other stuff like Google gave away, um, like a suite of, you gave away like 20, you got like 20 grand.
0: Yeah. They, they gave away 20 grand, which is great because startups like ourselves, we start collecting a lot of these It's like, G, it's like
1: work. G suite and just different stuff like that. You know? Yeah.
0: Um, cloud space for sure. time. So I think it's both like actual space and and servers on the cloud as well as like um, time on the cloud mm-hmm. that we get from Google. I think they just give us in credits and then we can use yeah. it however we want. Um, we and actually did you something... won't
1: use twenty grand worth because it'll have like a two year limit and you'll get through like twelve hundred bucks. No, we like, will. Oh. Oh, so, you will.
0: So so we're we're actually building out our tech so that we can. We also got similar credits from AWS mm-hmm. um, that. That was something that we just finished right before Pure Pitch. So we were in the Amazon Web Services Accelerator earlier this mm. year. That finished um, end of September, and we went to Amazon headquarters. So I didn't, but one of our co-founders did and pitched to Amazon. And then I, we ended up winning third place, got a bunch of credits. But um, what we do is we do a lot of analytics. So a lot of the machine learning that we um, use to build out our our models are very um computation or compute right heavy. right
1: and that's going to use a lot more computing power than like a simple software as a service platform or something like that yeah that and so initially when yeah. we
0: build out those models it does take a lot yeah. of server time and amazon and cloud and google cloud are great ways to use yeah that. that's
1: good that you're going to utilize that i was talking to one of the um to lauren lawrence of stenovate who was one of our big winners last year and i said how much of that uh of that AWS credit if you use, and she's like 500 bucks. Yeah. So I, sometimes it's a little oversold.
0: I think we will be able to use all of it.
1: I have a complaint with that because you give away 60 grand and then Google stands up and they're like, we're giving everyone 20,000 bucks. Yeah. And it's not, I guarantee not you insane. that across all eight companies, it will come up to, well, you might use the credit and then all the rest of the folks will be a little lower. So I a, I've, I've, i I continue to complain about that. Yeah. But that's okay. I, I still think it's awesome that people are stacking that stuff up. And why, let's give a shout out real quick. Because if you're in Kansas City, um, one of our uh, uh, start, I think it was episode 50, uh, Startup Hustle alumnus Donald Hawkins has started a group called KC Collective. And they are here to help your startup get free stuff.
0: Yep. If you're a founder, yeah. you should go to kccollective.org, I believe yeah. it is. Yeah, kccollective.org. And um, Org. apply. Um, and,
1: and, they, and what they've done is they've taken the effort to establish relationships with places that'll give startups free stuff.
0: Yeah. And I think beyond that, there's and there's a, great, a big list. I was going to say there's also, there is a big list of perks, but beyond yeah. that, there's a great network. So yeah. I'm part of the collective, um, but just being able to get some of the, um, educational programs that they put together, yep. talk to each other. We have a network, a chat net or chat group that we can sure. throw stuff out to say, Hey, I'm, I'm working on this, have this problem. Has anyone solved it? Um,
1: so yeah. let's get back to machine learning and predictive analytics. Yes. And like, so this is something you hear a lot. I just got back from TechCrunch and I think that every place we, every, you know, table we stopped out, you know, my algorithm, that was our joke when we were leaving. Yeah. Like no matter what, it was like, you know, we were at the airport trying to decide what we, what, what, uh, what sushi we wanted. And yeah. I was like, I'm, bu- I'm currently building an algorithm that will help me decide which sushi plate I want. Cause it was kind of a joke. Because yeah. like, everybody is, you know, was saying that now machine learning is, is broad. Yes. It can be very simplistic and it can also be remarkably complex. Yeah. So with what you guys are doing, you mentioned needing computing power in the cloud that there's a level of complexity because there's all these comparisons and all this data and all this stuff. So for those that, I mean, let's talk just Machine learning in general. What can you give us an overview of, and how you're using it?
0: Yeah, so I think I think the the way that we apply and discuss it in healthcare, and the way that we leverage machine learning is a great, um, or is a we we knowing the differences would help as to why we would use machine learning in our. Well, let, let's. But what
1: is machine learning? As you define it, so. I know that's that. I know that's that a that's like a thousand miles wide of a question. But
0: yeah, um, so so I think there's ways. Let's call them processes instead of mm-hmm. even algorithms. There's ways to determine certain knowledge. Um, when we've done this in the past, we meaning the collective we, and when we talk about healthcare, there's a very deterministic approach to understanding something. Right, like you want to look at a piece of data or a value and associate or attribute a, a knowledge or an insight to it. So it's easy whenever you're, you're recording data in a very specific spot that's only recorded for that, right? So let's say blood pressure in this case. Um, there's two aspects to blood pressure. There's your diastolic and your systolic, and, and those could be recorded in separate places, and it's very easy to make sure that you know what that looks like. At times, the algorithm or the process to understanding that could be very simple. There's a category and this is diastolic and whenever you have something in that, in that, in that um, field, then we could say it's part of blood pressure. Um, in machine learning, I think there's, again, it's a category of processes that you can use to then maybe imply that there's something there, right? We're not saying that there is something there, but what's the likelihood that something is there? And so we're building out models that could potentially train themselves, that could build out knowledge. Now, of course, there are definitely human interventions at times. You want to have someone come in and say, is this model doing something correctly? Um, but other times, you might want to just do it for exploration. Can these models go look at the data and find something that's interesting, right? Like a signal within the noise. Is there something that is poking out that that we didn't see as humans, but the data or the 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 algorithms or the processes that we're using to develop can see it. Um, And so I think that's a a good way of looking at machine learning from our perspective. But then on top of that, it's how do we use it? Right? So most of the time, again, deterministic, meaning like if this, then that um, is what we've done in healthcare. Can you tell me for certain, and I think we use, or not think, but we use two terms sensitivity and specificity for how do we put like the bumpers or the guidelines between our confidence in in something. But how can you tell me something when this happens, right? So that's like diagnosing diabetes. That's saying, hey, this is the treatment and this specific treatment caused this specific outcome. Um, you could also look at it as a probability. So probabilistic modeling is a little bit different, saying, hey, can you tell me the likelihood of something, right? And we do less of that with our data in all sorts of areas of of work, industry, but in healthcare specifically. And I think there's more people that are doing that, though, right? We're looking at modeling populations. We're looking at modeling risk. We're looking at modeling um, the cost of care. Um, so insurance companies do this a lot. And sometimes population health companies do this. And some of the more mature hospitals and, and clinics can do this as well. So that's the space that we specifically um, work in. And we have even a narrower spot than that. So we don't look at diagnosis. We're, we're not trying to figure out if someone has a disease and we're not trying to figure out the next step, which is how do we treat that disease? Is there a better way? But we actually look at a narrow space of like, how does that treatment actually get applied in the real world? And what's the likelihood of barriers being in place, access, being in, uh, access issues being in place, or even um, the different um, qualities in different types of populations. So we build out probability. So what's the likelihood that these 20 people in this large group of 20,000 are likely to get this outcome if we put all these things in front of them? And I think that looks a little bit different, right? We as humans don't look at it like that.
1: Well, they it's because think- we're biased.
0: We are biased. And but-
1: that, that's the one thing. And it doesn't matter who you are. like We all have bias. And um, machines are just purely analytical. They don't they don't think about it. There's no heartstrings to tug at. It's data And, and, and that can be a big advantage and it can also like, well, it can at the moment lacks that kind of human you know, element that can see around some of those corners a a little differently. But yeah, so someone recently asked me what machine learning is. I said, it's it's computers looking for patterns and trying to predict outcomes, Yeah. which is I know is like overly simplistic, but that's kind of what it is. Yeah.
0: And and that's exactly it. We're looking for patterns within the data. We're trying to see if those patterns mean anything. And we're trying to see if those patterns over time can tell us that it's the likelihood that this is going to happen as an outcome. Right. Um, there's something else that you said that was really interesting I'm trying to, that's rare. Rewind, that's rewind rare. That's rare. Moment. That's rare. Um,
1: well, you know, so in, in regards to why you, why you hit rewind there, you know, machine learning. And, uh, so do you consider yourself a data scientist?
0: I do not, I don't have formal training in it. Um, we have partners and we have data scientists to help us
1: so i think i think for those that want to get into tech that aren't programmers now being a data science it does help if you have some programmatic skills for sure but you can get certifications in data science. Um, yes, like, I mean, like Duke has one, IBM has one. And I know this because we employ data scientists at full scale. Yeah. And some Google of them, has a good one, too. Yeah. Okay, there you go. And there are, if you like math and you like crunching numbers and you're analytical, like you can, you, there's a lot of opportunity out there that doesn't require you to have 15 years of programming skills. But, um, you know, yeah. and then, and then. On top of that, too, if we want to kind of nerd out for a second, there are some some programming languages that go really well with this. Like a lot of Python developers are trending towards R. R, Yes, R. And um, some things like with AI and different stuff, like some it's uh, I'm seeing C++ go through a total rebirth. Because C is kind of, it's been around for a while, but it was used a lot for embedded software applications. But now it's uh, people are finding that it runs things like computer vision and different stuff in a really lightweight kind of way. So yeah. they can put it in things that can't necessarily harvest or, well, like Shop Tracker, Davion Ross's. Like they're trying to, to formulate data really quick, almost in like a real time kind of way, where Python's too slow yeah it uses too many resources so they use different things and there's just i mean there's a lot of interesting stuff yeah i I bet most people haven't even heard of r
0: depends on where you're at right? but like i I think r is more statistical so if you're from an academic standpoint uh background then r is much easier to to know that that's what you use yeah i think one of the interesting thing is over the last couple years though um, both r and python have libraries that work in machine learning and ai And it's very quick that if someone creates a library in one, that someone's going to the group, the community is going to mimic and create the same library in the other. Um, So I think that's been helpful in saying, "Hey, if you are going to work in one, it's pretty easy to work in the other." Um, But there is definitely, I think, advantages of both of them, and and many times we've considered we consider using both all the time. So there is.
1: Yeah, and Python has got um, uh, so we have a ton of Python programmers at, at full scale, but most of them are actually not doing um, machine learning with it. It has been a popular framework for uh, software test applications. Yeah, so a lot of that stuff is powered by Python. Python's uh, good good for automating stuff. So, um, and that is like on us. I mean, senior test automation. Uh, programmer is it needs every bit of experience that any senior developer has that's complex and different yeah. stuff so it's uh it's fascinating i'm i'm a i'm constantly trying to figure out anything like anything repetitive deserves to be automated
0: yes because they're always
1: the tasks that people are like well are, are machines and ai going to take over our jobs They they might take over the jobs that no one wants to do I mean, for real, like data entry or just weird stuff like that. I mean, God, it's hard to find people to even want to do some of the things that pe- that folks automate. So yeah, and do you guys use Python? And we like- do.
0: So Python and our, our, our core analytics um, languages. Um, but then like how we get the data is different and how we present the data, our analytics is different too. They're not built off of R and Python. Um, but something that you said I wanted to, uh, come back to, Did you which find was, it? well, no, not that, but just something that you just said with <laughs> automations and stuff. That's, that's where we're going down the line of, right? Mm-hmm. Like we want to find efficiencies. Yep. We want to find ways to automate certain aspects of healthcare. And a good example of that is you mentioned medications earlier. So if we can identify 20, 50 people in a population that need medication, med check or med, um, changes, then how do we reach out to them? Should we have a human reach out to them? That's how we sometimes do it today. Can we automate that process? Yeah. So, you know, it doesn't make sense if the if we keep finding one-offs like we do in healthcare today. So, oh, today I need to call these two people or tomorrow I need to call. But if I could find 50 today the right off the bat, why not just find a tool that can automate that process? Find a tool that could figure out which, which of those 50 would prefer text messages, which of them would prefer email, and which of them actually need a phone call from then the question is from even a human because we have really great tools today. Scary Google, yeah. um, that can call Are you talking about... like the AI
1: dude. I was playing that for Breeland, our show producer when we were out in San Francisco and she was like, wait, that's a computer. Yeah. It's... Google it. The, uh, Google AI chatbot that made a phone call. And I mean, it's scary real.
0: Yeah. It's, I think it's called Duplex, but yeah. on the back end, I was the, the tech side, but like uh, from a it's consumer coo- standpoint, it's cool. It's cool. Just,
1: it's cool. And also it. you're kind of like, whoa, yeah. like, cause I wouldn't have known.
0: Yeah. I wouldn't have either. And it
1: really like, it it's even, it even does things like, it's like, um, uh, hang on.
0: Yeah. Hang on a second. Or, it, um,
1: um, <laughs> let me... uh, yeah. And I like how they really challenged it. Like they had the thing called, um, I think it was a Chinese restaurant and the lady that answered the phone had a really heavy accent. I mean, yeah. I was having a hard time understanding what she was saying, but yeah. it it didn't and it, figured it, still it out. Got, it, yeah,
0: yeah, it still got through all of the and um, it it threw, threw right it
1: way. a strange question. It was like uh, it something like, "Hey, I want to make a reservation for seven people for Tuesday," and she was like, "Well, for what time?" And for, for five o'clock. And she's like, okay, you don't need a reservation on those days when you have less than eight people. Yeah. And he's like, oh, so I can just show up, at five, so we can just walk in. You know, it's like, wow, like that's really that intuitive, really and that's good.
0: complex. That's yeah. tough, dude.
1: That's tough. So, so,
0: so just caveat that's that's Google AI, that's big AI, right? Yeah. Like, most people don't do that.
1: Wait, we AI. don't have the resources that Google has. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so, so wait, Helix Health, which by the way you can find at Helix. Health dot us, you're you're not working with those kind of resources yet.
0: No, not yet, or not that. Yeah, not
1: that. We need to get around. To you we need to fix do. that. I, I was. Uh, Another startup hustle alumnus, Neil Sharma, who's the founder of DEG, um, mm-hmm. he owns a service company much like we do at Full Scale, And I was talking to Neil about it and, you know, why do tech companies have the this just sick valuation compared to like a service company, which doesn't have the same. It's because software shows up to work every day. You talked about like, how do we notify people? Well, that's not very scalable because if you're having to notify people and then other things too is like, if that thing triggers all of a sudden, you've got like 1500 contacts you need to make, that could take days. Yeah. And you can't just scale your notific- quote notification team up to ten people and then back down to one. It's difficult. So that's where, and you know, with what you guys are doing, once again, I commend you for trying to do anything that lowers the cost of healthcare. I mean, Matt Watson was on Facebook today bitching about that. Yeah, because you know, both at full scale and at Stackify, we provide really great healthcare for our employees. And dude, it's expensive. I don't even go to the doctor. I think I would honestly be better off to just pay cash. Like it would probably be cheaper unless I get hit by a car or something like that. So but it
0: could it, be. Yeah. I, I think part of the problem is that every time costs go up, insurance goes up, then yeah. insurance goes up, then prices go up.
1: It's it's and- it's something that someone needs to figure out. Yes. And then also, too, like you mentioned every at the very beginning, that everybody deserves good health care. Well, I, th- I feel everybody deserves health care, too. Like, and and figuring out a way to make that more affordable is going to make it a lot easier. for. Because, I mean, what is, like, a quarter of the country doesn't have it? A good and, portion, yeah, Yeah, it's pretty high. And, and I think even know, more
0: sad is, like, children don't have it. Yeah, and that's the know? thing. And is there's... like, in the
1: end, like, you know, I mean, it's just kind of a, a human thing. And, you know, I take that global uh, citizen approach. All right. So... As we finish the episode, we we have recently we have now named this the Founders Freestyle. So you get to say whatever you want, dude, and I'll give a quick reply and then we're off to do whatever it is that we do. Talk about how you're going to use this $15,000 worth of credits. But yeah, the mic's yours, buddy.
0: Um let me split it off then. Like I'll tell whatever I want to say. It's your is... freestyle,
1: dude. You can do you can literally rap right now if you want. I mean, it's up to you. I it's wish a freestyle. I, I know I can't either, but it's um, a freestyle.
0: I'm super excited about the work that we do. I think that I agree. It's not necessarily just healthcare, but I believe everyone should get good health. Everyone deserves good health. Healthcare happens to be one of the avenues that we um, spend a lot of money in here at the U.S. I think that we could probably do better in that space. And, and we come in, we as Helix health come in to fix a piece of that, which is that we can use data to build out insights, to help the entire system be a little bit more efficient. And part of that, can we cuss on this?
1: Yeah, fuck yeah. All right. Well, Especially during say, the freestyle. So,
0: so there's, you there's, can do whatever you want. A you can literally like
1: take over the station. Right there's
0: now. a couple of assumptions that we make is that we don't believe in shitty patients and we don't believe in <laughs> shitty physicians or clinicians, but we do think that the healthcare system is pretty shitty and we need to fix that. And most people don't disagree with us or disagree with the idea that we don't, need good health in the U.S. It's just how do we get it is like where our disagreements come in. And when we have a healthcare system that incentivizes um, break fix, which is if you get sick, then I will fix you and you can keep coming in so that I can fix you versus preventative care, then we're just not going to be able to move forward. And I think that's where we want to work. This is where we think that it's also scalable. There's a ton of data out there. There's a ton of ways for us to build out new incentives for preventative care. And I think the healthcare system's moving that way with value-based care. Um, So I'm, I'm all for it. And anyone that wants to help, I would love to talk to them about it. I would love to help them with it. Um, And I think everyone needs it. And I think even when you're talking about companies and your employees and people that you care about, you want them to be healthier. Um, On the flip side, I have a question for you. What's up with this Voltron?
1: Ah, Lego Voltron. We took his microphone away. He usually sits right next to me. And for those of you that want to know what the hell we're talking about, we have a probably one foot tall.
0: I think he's bigger than that.
1: Yeah, it's close. He's about a Dude. foot. Uh, he's huge, but Lego Voltron. So we, uh, I'm so, all right, I'm going to use Al freestyle, the the this, the reply on the way out. Um, if you know me or you've listened to this podcast enough, you know that I have a weird obsession with Voltron. It's not weird. It's not weird because Voltron's awesome. So here's the thing is I'm, I believe in the power of a team and I think that Voltron is just kind of a goofy and fun example. If you haven't watched it, you know they brought Voltron is from my childhood, and, and they brought it back. He's got they've got like eight new seasons on Netflix. But Voltron is consists of five lions that form together into one, the defender of the universe that has a laser sword and usually chops something in half with it. But each of these lions and their pilots have a specific skill and they're really great at something and they're pretty badass on their own. But when they get it all together and they work as a team they become dominant and you know, that whole, like, so we keep Voltron around to remind us of that on many days. But as far as Lego Voltron goes, Watson's kids built that out of that set. And uh, so I have my own set and I'm like a third of the way through the blue lion after like a year. So Watson's kids did that in like half a day and crushed it. It is a complex, and uh, difficult lego set so yeah and then to kind of finish off my freestyle i'm going to go in a different direction and i'm going to encourage those of you that are listening to go out and find something to, to you know to pitch your idea apply to accelerators do things like this pure pitch rally and you can go to purepitchrally.com and learn more about that Uh, Full scale is also the development partner of launch KC, which is another accelerator. Like there are a lot of things that you can get yourself into that. it Okay. There were eight companies in this thing the other night, everybody won something. Everybody won 20 grand from Google and at least five grand from full scale. Yeah. So even getting in, like, think about that. The participation trophy here was worth 25 grand. And what could that do to change your business? And the answer's a lot. But the thing is, 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 is and I have this theory that the greatest album of all time was never heard. And I know that's might be far-fetched and you can't prove whether I'm right or not, but in the end, you have to market and sell stuff. So when I say the greatest album of all time, there was someone that was like, eh, or they didn't push it or it didn't get promoted. It's stuck in a file cabinet somewhere. And, you know, maybe that's true or not, but, you know, regardless of how much you despise public speaking or maybe even selling that's your validator sales 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 that's how you're going to get more resources it's i mean whatever it is you have to get it out there and it's good for you it's good for you to hear the feedback that's the main thing and you're going to hear no and it's good for you to hear no, because i don't care how great your idea is or who you are you're going to hear a lot of no do you agree
0: i agree you're going to hear so much no
1: i mean dude you can literally like have like three successful startups that you've crushed exited from you're half fucking famous and someone's still going to tell you no for whatever reason it might it might be them more than you but you're going to hear no
0: it's just part of it and i know this sounds cliche but i think that if you are not hearing no then you're not doing it right yeah and I, oh, and sure. I don't mean it in like a you need to hear no but um, but you hear, you need to hear now. Well, it's the nature of the startup or the disruption yeah. or the innovation it's new. And so most people don't get it. Most people don't see it that way. They're more comfortable with what's already going yeah. on. And so if you're building something that's new, a lot of people should not should, but are going to say, I don't get it or not know right now. But
1: dude, that's, that's like the, the number one thing that, you know, people don't, it, it's difficult to get someone to invest in something that don't understand. And when you're doing cutting edge things, or you're very visionary, uh, you're gonna de- you're gonna hear way more now because people just don't get it. They don't understand the utility of it, or, or a whole lot of different things. So, I think in the end, um, and to finalize my freestyle, and on behalf of Lego Voltron. Because he knows that thing is pretty cool. There's pictures of Lego Voltron all over the a Hustle podcast Instagram. So and and on your eyes, a little jealous. I think he's might. oh, I am. If if Voltron is missing later, I know exactly where to come look.
0: I mean, that's why I asked you about it because he's also part of my childhood. I grew Dude, up with Voltron. Voltron's the man. Transformers and Star Wars.
1: And Voltron is not a transformer. We've no. had people point that out. Let's not, and not. he is not. A, he he was first. He's like the OG. when it comes to like transforming robot completion completing stacking stuff i don't think there was one before him and that also tells you how old we are yeah yeah. see you next time